time's just a little bit short, so I'm going to move real quickly on this. ...of the word, in this first John, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth away and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. I'm going to have just a word of prayer. We're going to jump into this, and I won't, take, I won't keep you late tonight. I know the time's already late, but I'll, uh, I'll move through this quickly. But Father, I pray that you bless tonight. Holy Spirit, thank you for the opportunity to come together, to, to gather together, and to, to remember uh, your crucifixion, remember your broken body, remember your shed blood. And Lord, I thank you that you, you, you died in our place and paid our death that we owe. And, and Lord, that you arose from the grave. Lord, I thank you for that. Now, Lord, I pray that you please bless here tonight the few moments that we had. Holy Spirit, guide my mind, my thought, as we speak very quickly and move very quickly, please. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, this is going to be kind of a, uh, just a kind of tying into this morning's message a, l- a little bit. Sometimes we profess our belief, our love, our devotion to God and His Word, but all the while we are deceiving ourselves. And that's what this says. It says, but be ye doers of the Word and not hearers only. And look what he says, deceiving your own selves. Deceiving your own selves. It, it, this, this is not talking about salvation. This is talking to Christians about the fact that, that they hear the Word of God. They hear righteousness. They hear the commandments. They hear the way that should live. And, and, and they, they profess their devotion, but, but they, they're hearing. And then like a message I preached here before, they're hearing, but they're not listening. It's not changing them. And so uh, sometimes we profess our belief, our love, our devotion to God and His Word, but all the while we're deceiving ourselves. The test is simple. And here's, a, you know, you can test it right now and start to think about it, and the Holy Spirit may bring something to your mind, but do we do what we say we believe? That's just what it comes down to. We speak one, you know, it's a sad thing when we speak one language on a Sunday and we speak another language Monday through Saturday. Uh, you know, the, God says the one who really believes looks into the truth of God and continues in the truth of God. He said, if you really believed in me, if you really believed in my death, burial, and resurrection, you really believed in my word, uh, he said, you've looked into the truth of who I am. And he said, when you do that, 
Uh, when you look into the truth, watch this. You really believe it, you continue in the truth. Now, this is so vital because, watch this, just listen to this statement. People do not always live what they profess, but they will live what they sincerely believe. You know, people, it will come out. What you really believe, it will come out. We, we live what we really believe. You say, man, I just struggle with the Christian life. What do you really believe? So what it really comes down to, what do we really believe? True belief causes change in behavior for if we believe, what we believe is different from our previous behavior. You know, you know if you got saved at, at four, you might not have changed a whole lot uh, from the day you got saved to the day after you got saved because, uh, you know, what was your worst thing? You pushed your little sister down or something, you know what I mean? Uh, and that's really not a bad thing. So, uh, no, but, but you go... You know, there's not a massive change, but listen, when you, like my lifestyle, you know, 20 years old and, and get saved at, at Memphis State, when I got saved, uh, there's, there's something that, that happened inside, so there was a change that was necessitated, and, it, and true belief causes change in behavior. Now, I understand me. I understand, listen to me. Don't, don't, you know, I, I'm not one of these. I'm not a Lord's salvation guy where, where, you know, okay, if you didn't do this and this and this and this, you didn't really get saved. I'm not saying that because I, I don't know. I'm just saying that something inside of you ought to begin changing. Now, it's going to be different from what started changing in me. And it might be visible, uh, you know, in one person and not visible in another person. You know, some people just hide their sins really good. Some people... Just, you know, you know, truthfully, you know, I might have some just horrible outward sin and, and you say, well, okay, I got this bad, 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 bad temper. You say, do you? Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and when I, after I got saved, now people eventually might have looked at me and said, you know, he seems to be changing. He's not acting like, but there's another guy that, that maybe he just, you know, his was secret. He went and, you know, he's sipping some whiskey over here in, in the quiet of his, of his apartment. And people, he walks around, nobody knows anything about it. You don't see the change. Now, I'm just saying, you don't always see the change in somebody else. That's why God looks on the heart, man looks on the outward appearance. Okay, so you don't always see it, but there ought to be somebody, there ought to be some showing of change inside of us. And now, I, I, I've got a little illustration because the sermon is going to be kind of short, or, or at least I'm going to make it short. But here, the, you, do you believe that? How many of you believe what I just said? Let me just tell you, when I said it, I didn't even mean it myself. And so, and uh, anyway, look, watch this. Anybody ever play golf? Me neither. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, if I was you, I'd get that the way. <laughs> now, look. Look, you know what it is? That right there is the fairway right there. You see that fairway? Do y'all believe me? Right there. There's the fairway. So, here I go. I'm going to tee off right here. That's kind of the way it works for me. <laughs> I'm going to tee off right here. Stand still. All right. Now, look. I'm going to tee off. Now, watch this now. When you're really young, here's what goes on now. You're young, and you just get started on a Christian life. You hit like this. I stayed in the fairway. I didn't tell you kick that ball. <laughs> we're, not playing, we're not playing kickball out here. Now, look. 
as I grow a little bit, all it takes is if I have a little bit of error. Anybody play golf? If I have just a little bit of error in that club, and all of a sudden I hit and I didn't stay in the fairway, did it? Would somebody get up and help me? Man, I love that. I just that was just man. I'll slap you. Pick that ball. Look, if we stay late, it's because of him. Just go back to sleep, Colby. Now, now look. Did y'all notice I hit a little bit harder because as we go along in life, we get a little bit stronger. Do you know that if kids started out? Or when I first started, you know, playing golf, and I've only played about 15 times in my life, but, but when I first started out, I just, they, everything they told me to do, I tried to do exactly right, and I pulled back, and I just barely hit this ball because, man, I wanted to stay right there in that fairway, and so I hit it, and I stayed in the fairway. Colby, get up. You don't expect me to do everything, do you? All right. But now, here's what happens. Pretty soon, we, we shift a little bit. We get our direction off. And here we go. I'm stronger now, bigger and older. And, oh, did y'all notice I just ended up in the rough? That's rough. I ended up in the rough. And the truth is, the longer I go with this faulty swing, y'all know what it, do you know why they call it a hook? They named it after me. And so, but I get up here and man, I, I'm going to swing. Wow. It's like a contest. They want to see if they can catch it. I'm glad that some men decided to come help me. Now, did you notice that the longer I go with a faulty swing, the stronger I get at swinging a faulty swing? And do you notice that not only did I go out of the fairway, I go into the rough, and eventually I'm even going to be out of bounds. I hope you're catching what I'm trying to tell you tonight. You can go back and sit down. If your true, true belief is off, your walk or your daily life for God will be off. And the longer you continue to walk this direction that you're going and the way you're going, the further you'll be from God's fairway each consecutive year of your life. This is the, the great fear uh, that we older Christians have as we look at younger Christians. You see, what, we don't always voice it to you, but sometimes we're seeing a defective lifestyle, lifestyle swing. And we're seeing you, you're young, and you haven't hit it off very much. It's only gone off a little bit. And right now, you're not in terrible trouble. I don't need you right now. It hadn't gone off very much. But see, what's going to happen, though, is you're going to wake up one day and, and your children are going to be teenagers. 
You say, I'm not even married yet, but it doesn't matter for most of you except for Kobe. You're going to wake up one day and be married. And, uh, and you're going to make teenagers, and, and all of a sudden you're going to realize and wake up and think, everything that I've been doing for these years, somehow my swing was all off. It didn't seem that off. It just kind of gradually went further and further and further off. And then we, we get to that point in life. We say, I don't understand. I, I, man, I, I was trying to do everything the right way, but your swing started off and continued off and you never corrected it. You find yourself in midlife in what's called a crisis. Midlife crisis is really simply that you, that you thought you understood what constituted success, fulfillment, and satisfaction, but now you're discovering that what you had believed about life and Christianity was not quite true. You had it all figured out, and here's the problem. There's older people like us that are looking at you saying, you got a faulty swing. And you may not be much off for the fairway right now, but you keep swinging that way, you're going to get stronger in your swing, but it's still faulty. And, you, and look, the stronger you get with a faulty swing, that means you drive it further away from where it's supposed to be. The longer you persist in this faulty belief system, the less fulfilling and productive your daily walk of faith will be. What you believe is, is always revealed in time. Get that, please. What you really believe will be revealed. And again, I say people may not always live what they profess, but they will live what they believe. If you're struggling in your behavior, it is because you're struggling what you believe. So many times I look at people and I say, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And people say, where is the root problem with most of Christianity today? Let me tell you where it is. The root problem is in the simple, sincere, complete, total belief in the word of God. It is true. Folks, that's why you don't mess with it because the more you mess with it, the, more, the less you believe it. You don't believe it's important if you can just change it however you want it to be. And I'm telling you, you've got to understand that the Word of God, that's foundational right here. This book is where we've got to begin. If we believe this book, now watch this now. You say, well, I believe it. No, you don't unless it changes you. If it changes you, then you believe it. You say, I see nothing wrong with, and you just put... Put whatever you want to in it. And this leads to a refusal to see what God says about it. When we decide what we believe and we don't care what this book says about it, it doesn't matter if we say we believe this book. It, it, look, we don't believe it because we've already decided what we believed outside of this book. Now answer these questions, and, and I'm just going to help you, and like I said, it'll be done in just a moment. Answer these questions in your heart. And, and, and this will help you see what you really believe, and this will answer why you do what you do. If you, this question, number one, is eight questions real quickly. They're real simple. I would be more successful if. I would be more significant if. I would be more fulfilled if. I would be more satisfied if. I would be more happy if. I would enjoy life more if. I would be more secure if. I would be more at peace if. 
Now, you think about those questions, and you say, what would, get, what would make me more happy? I'd just be, you know, I'm just not really totally happy right now. What would make you more happy? What would make you more satisfied with life? What would make you feel more successful in life? What would you feel like you could put in there and say, if, man, as soon as he said it, when I said that question, you thought, well, that's what would make me happy. If I could have that, that's what would make me successful. How you answer these questions will reveal what you really believe and therefore will determine your actions to achieve what you believe. What we desire to achieve in these eight areas will affect our actions and decisions. The key is is our desires that we wish to achieve biblically uh, and and are they they biblical and are they in God's divine plan for our lives? So what are our desires and our wish to achieve? Are they biblical and are they in God's divine plan for our lives? you know, listen, I, I right now, uh, uh, I would love to walk out there and, and, and get in a, in, a, in a big quad cab truck. Would that, would that make anybody happy? I would love to be able to go out and get a big quad cab truck, and I, I would love to get in that thing and slide into those leather seats. I would love to do that. You know, right now, I go out and, and get my, my little truck, and, and, and there are no leather seats there. There's barely a seat there. And, 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 you know, I'd love to get, but listen, if, if I got to have that truck to make me happy, if I got to have that truck to make me feel more successful, if I got to have that truck to make me feel more satisfied, more fulfilled, more secure, more happy, or to enjoy more, my life more, then my belief system is all wrong. What I walk out and get into shouldn't make my life happy or unhappy. There should be nothing that I must have to be happy, satisfied, successful, fulfilled, or secure in Christ. A little test is this. If whatever you feel you need to have uh, to make you more whatever, if, if the failure, listen to this, if the failure to get it or the loss of it makes you angry, frustrated, anxious, depressed, you probably have a faulty goal, desire based on a wrong belief system. You hear what I just said? We get these things and desires in our head, and we get these goals in there, and we, we base them on what we believe. We got to have the raise. We got to have the promotion. We got to have this nicer vehicle. We got to have these things. That says tying into this morning, but it's a belief system, and the belief system is so important, it ought to be right here out of this book. So, and I'm going to just jump past everything, but, but just, just this thought. And this might help some family. If your family has to turn out to be perfect Christian family or you are a failure, then everyone in your family holds your emotions and your life hostage. Do you understand that? All over this nation, we've traveled and counseled people and people that have given their life to Christ, tried to rear their children for God, and and one of them has, has gone away from God and they feel total failures for God, want to walk out of the ministry, want to give up serving God, want to turn their back on God because this one child struggles. Do you understand? That cannot be our basis for success or failure. You're struggling now, aren't you? Listen to me. When this happens, we as parents can either become very angry. When one of our children struggles, we become very angry or controlling when we don't understand what our real belief system should be. Mom and dad, your goal is to love the Lord. You understand that? According to this book, my goal is to love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. Okay? 
and teach your children to do the same. But please understand this. The will of a child does not negate your self-worth with God. Did y'all hear me? The will of a child does not negate, negate your, self-will with, your self-worth with God. I'll give you this illustration and I'll be done. I learned many years ago that my success, my joy, my happiness, my self-worth, my fulfillment, my security, my significance, my peace is not and cannot be based on whether, whether everybody I'm trying to reach gets saved or whether the church building is full. You know, the size of our crowd doesn't determine my self-worth. I'm not a success because of my administrative talents. That's obvious. My promotional talents, my oratorical ability. I'm a success only in my relationship to God. I am his child. No one, not even me, can change that. I'm born again, blood washed on my way to heaven, and I can come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy. And do you understand? That makes me a success. I recently read a man that said this. He said, you won't reach all your goals, but a man who does not reach any of them is failing as a leader. And as soon as I read that, I thought, well, listen to me, sir. The first question is, was that goal yours or was it God's? That's the first question. Are your goals that you're setting yours or the God? And the second thing is, is God in charge of your goals? By this I mean this. He might put on your heart to make a goal. He might put on my heart that we say that we're going to have such and such number in our church on such and such day. And watch this. God, watch this. God might say no to that goal. You know why he might do that? I learned this a long time ago in the sailor ministry. I would go, and I, one day I was going to go for about 75 people, and, and, and we were going to have a big day, and, man, we, were gonna, we had buses, we had promotion, we had everything. We got up to the base, drove on to the, up there to the base, and, and started to walk in and realized it was a ghost town. There was nobody. There's 10,000 fellas on that base at that time. There was a ghost town. I said, where is everybody? Finally found one of my boys who was coming out of Eden, and, and he said everybody had mandatory school school on Saturday. I said, I've never heard of that. Been hearing this for years. He says, first time that anybody's ever heard of it. We were all in trouble. Whole base is in trouble. We had mandatory school. That means we couldn't talk to anybody that whole day. I had set for weeks and weeks and weeks this big day. Uh, You may guess we didn't reach our big day because we couldn't even talk to anybody. We normally loaded them up at two. They didn't even get out of school until about 530. You know what the Lord was teaching me? My self-worth was not in my reaching of my goal. And this wasn't about my goal. This was what God was going to do in my life. And watch. I walked away from there, and that was hard. It was hard to humble myself and realize that everything that I had tried to do had failed. And you know that about three weeks later, no promotion, no anything, no, no anybody. Around, we had 104 sailors. You know what God said? God said, hey, when I want to reach the goal, I'll take care of it. When I want you to have the number, I'll do it. And here's the problem. We, just, we have all this inside that we, everything has to fit the way we want it to fit, be what we want. And that, listen to me, that's a faulty swing, folks. Let God take care of it. What if God 
What does God really want? He may allow you to miss every goal and yet exceed your goal in his timing. Tonight, the question is this. What do we really believe based on our actions in life? What do, what do you really believe? And I'll say the questions again. I would be more successful if. If really you'd feel more successful if something happened in your life. I'd be more significant if. I'd be more fulfilled if. You know, man, I just, I just got to have that. Then I feel fulfilled. I'd be more satisfied. That's a big one for us. I just want to be satisfied. I just, you know, I just, if I could just have all these things in the way I want it, I'd be satisfied. I'd be more happy. You know, if you allow things to make you happy or unhappy or determine your happiness, you're going to be in a roller coaster your whole life. I'd enjoy life more if I'd be more secure if I'd be more peace if. The answer should be is I truly believe God and I yield to his purpose and his will for my life. I'll, I'll be more successful if I truly believe God and yield to his purpose for my life. I'd be more significant if I truly believe God and yield to his purpose for my life. I'd be more fulfilled if I truly believe God and yield to his purpose for my life. You know, for my only goal is to become the person God wants me to be. That ought to be it. Seek to know God. Seek to walk with God. Seek to have him direct me. And seek to have him correct my swing so I can one day, it's 60-something, I can one day swing hard and drive it long and stay in God's fairway. Because I tried to choose his belief system, not mine. I know this is kind of, I rushed it, and it still went a little bit longer than I wanted to, but I'm trying to, as much as I can, I'm trying to direct our hearts and minds to this book, the Word of God, the principles of the truth of God, because we are in a society that bombards us nonstop with the world's philosophy and we're infiltrated and it's saturated and it's permeated our minds and we don't even realize it. So intentionally, we've got to say, now wait a minute, is my swing faulty? Is my, are, you know, my thoughts, are they faulty? My thinking, are they faulty? What I think is right and wrong, faulty. I think is just and unjust, is it faulty? Because God says, he just wants my heart. He wants me. And watch this, I'm his child and nothing can change that. So I'm pretty secure right now. Secure in that love. My goal is to become the person God wants me to be. And that's really all we need to desire. That's my only goal, to be the person God wants me to be. I hope this will make sense to you a little bit. You know, of course, uh, we, it's going to take a few minutes. I'm going to just say this. Um, just the other day, uh, he didn't, Jordan came to me and he, he, after the service and he said he had some doubts of, about his salvation. And we spent quite a bit of time together and talked about it. And uh, Jordan has gotten assurance of his salvation. Amen. Amen. 
And, uh, and if I understand right, you'd like to be baptized tonight. All right? And uh, so this is the one time that I hope the heater's not working. <laughs> but uh, we're going to give an invitation. And, and I'm going to slip on out because it is late to get ready for Jordan and Jordan to, to go on back. But this whole day today, all I'm asking, all I'm, I'm pleading is that you'd open up your heart to God and let him... Let him speak to your heart and say, I need you to adjust your grip. I need you to line up your feet a little bit different. I need you to hold your body a little bit. Just let him correct. Let him adjust. And let's don't fight him. Let's don't look for what, you know, why can't I do? Why can't we look to God and say, just tell me what? I'll change, I'll give up, I'll turn away from whatever you want. Father, I pray.